welcome everybody to No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, how you doing? I am fantastic. How are you? Doing well, doing well. We had some good football this week, and uh, that's exciting because I know we've spent some time talking about just you know kind of the drabness of it, of it. And I, I think for me, my biggest problem is not necessarily the week in and week out; it's the lack of of quality teams. But we did see some teams play well this week, and and that's encouraging because I know you you've talked about you know there are going to get there are going to be some teams that get hot down the stretch, and we're and we're starting to be down the stretch. Were you encouraged by what you saw on Sunday? Very much so. I mean, I, I thought it was the most entertaining week of the year. Um, you know, even I mean, like a terrible game like Rams Jets was competitive because they were both equally matched. It just Right. worked out that way that not only did we have some really entertaining playoff-like games with Seattle and New England and Pittsburgh and Dallas and even last night's game. You know, I mean, the Monday Nighter was well, it was a quality yeah. game. But I thought they were well played, and the uh, – I mean, it was just more competitive. I mean, there was also just a good slate of games in terms of the matchups. Right, yeah, it, it was uh, it was it was some good stuff, and um, things are kind of about. I mean, Seattle, Seattle's doing what Seattle does, getting bad, getting good at the right time, right? I mean, they had the quarterback injury, they've been slow the last couple of years, but I mean, that was a big boy win the other night in New England. Oh man, and I've been really saying since day one, with all respect to Dallas, that I expect an, a rematch of that game. I mean, I think Eagles mm-hmm. and Seattle are the team, or, or I'm sorry, the, the Patriots in Seattle are the teams from the off season, the preseason, that I thought had the best chance of advancing to the to the Super Bowl. And but I didn't see that coming. You know, I mean, to come off a bye, you know, I mean, Belichick has a bye to prepare at home, a night game. I don't care who was going in there let alone a Seattle team that had to go across country on a short week after a Monday nighter, I was like, man, that's just too many things going against you. I'll take, you know, I'll take the Patriots in this game, but maybe I'll take Seattle if they meet again. Well, wow. You know, I mean, uh, not only were they super impressive, and they have some new parts now, guys like ProSize and Lockett are stepping up. As usual, the offensive line that we always question gets better as the season goes on when it, you know Tom Cable gets his hands on those guys and they get better to the point where they're adequate. But I also think it also exposed a couple things with you know some concerns, at least with the, uh, the Patriots. I, I think it's way too early to say, boy, these are the best team in the league and they'll just steamroll everybody, and they very well could. But their pass rush isn't that good. I thought they really missed Jamie Collins in that game. Uh, their offensive line, I think, is average. So uh, I don't know that it's time to anoint you know, New England quite yet either. But, I mean, they're obviously quite strong. I mean, there's, they're the best team in the AFC, aren't they? I mean, oh yeah. the other two would be Kansas City and, and Oakland, I guess. But I, I, I would still think New England is pretty pretty good lap ahead of those two, other two teams. Especially if they uh, agreed, yes. And especially if they end up with a bye or home field advantage all the way through, I mean, going there is going to be very difficult, despite what we saw this past weekend. You know, I, I thought the, the AFC, when we talk about the AFC West a lot, and we both agree that it's the best division in football. Although the NFC East is is showing up as well, um, the Raiders are sitting there on their bye week, 
had to feel really good for most of those morning games. They're going to gain ground on the Chiefs and the Broncos, and then all hell broke loose within a matter of moments. The Marcus Peters play, and then the, the Denver return of the, the blocked extra point, and then all of a sudden, like man, the Chiefs are seven and two, the Raiders are seven and two, the Broncos are seven and three. These three teams are going to the playoffs, right? I mean, that was a message to the rest of the AFC that you better win your division because the wild cards are closed up here. That's how I read it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's probably a little early to say that. You know, could Cincinnati and Pittsburgh both catch fire? Maybe. Could Miami continue to play really well and get into the conversation? Maybe. But I think it's pretty clear that – um, San Diego aside now, I mean, I think it's time that you um, because of the division so hard and them losing this weekend that you can say they're done. But but they're still yeah, going to be a pain I mean, in the neck for those other three teams when they play them. Yes, and I think it would be an upset at this point if three teams out of the West didn't you know go to the post. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know what about Tennessee? Should we? Are they a factor? Yes. Um, Houston keeps winning, which is amazing. Yeah, I know. I mean, Minus twenty-seven uh, point differential, and they're six and three. Yeah, they have a better record than the Falcons, you know, or the Steelers, or you know, I mean, good football teams, and they're awful, and so they're actually going to be hard to catch, you know, which is amazing. And like you said, I mean, the wild card certainly isn't going to come out of the South, but Tennessee's the best team in that division. And the thing, the thing that nobody seems to be talking about is Mariota is exploding. I mean, he has played phenomenal this last month, five, six games, yeah. some give or take. Yeah, it's been about and, six games. Yeah, and it's not a fluke. That's who he is. Um, the weapons are stepping up around him, but it's really him. And most encouraging to me, and I know we want to talk about now, but just think about Tennessee next year. You know, they still have a ton of cap room. You know, they, they added a lot this past offseason. They have all those picks from the Jared Goff trade. So their team might be really stacked next year, and they definitely got their quarterback. And Malarkey's, you know, he's stating his case to be there. I mean, he's probably going to be there because they've gotten good under him this year. And I, I thought he was a very uninspired choice last year. But And then, you know, some people say, hey, man, you know, Josh McDaniels may be a good fit there because former uh, New England guy Robinson is in Tennessee as a GM, but I don't think you fire Malarkey. I think you 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 ride it out because, like you said, the quarterback has made strides with him. Absolutely, and I felt like kind of like you were saying that you know Malarkey's an old school Bill Cowher tight end who then rose up the became tight end coach and became offense coordinator in Pittsburgh and rode Jerome Bettis and then he rode. Michael Turner and Willis McGahee, I mean, big backs in, in kind of a archaic fashion. And, you know, everyone laughed at this exotic smash mouth. And, you know, they're playing with fullbacks and multiple tight ends and, you know, a big power running game. But it's worked, and it's really worked. And when they throw, they do a lot of spread principles that Mariota was a little more accustomed to, you know, at the college level. And it's really starting to pay off. And I think a lot of us thought, man, he is not the right guy for the job. And, I mean, what, Marty Schottenheimer got fired after being 12-4 and four or whatever, but by no means do I think he should even be on the hot seat. I mean, I think he should be complimented that he's doing a tremendous job. Yeah, it, it, it's, it, it's something else. Um, talk about some coaches, some established coaches, coaches with hardware. 
and, and things are getting a little hot in Green Bay and, and, and Pittsburgh. I have my opinions. I mean, should Mike McCarthy be on the hot seat in Green Bay? Should Mike Tomlin be on the hot seat in Pittsburgh? I think so, especially McCarthy, although I, I think one aspect that isn't talked about enough with that organization is they need to participate in free agency once in a while, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and, and that's like not on McCarthy. Play. That's that's a frustration for McCarthy. Right, right. I mean, That's a hindrance like on McCarthy. Absolutely. And they're playing with less of a deck than everybody else. And, um, I mean, you bring in Jared Cook, that, that's your big acquisition, and that's a big deal for them to go get him. I mean, he needs a nobody. So uh, I think that's part of it, that I think that the general public, and because of Aaron Rodgers' greatness over the years, people overrate the talent and the roster that has been assembled there. I don't think it's a great roster anymore, and I think too much is asked of Rodgers. But some of that's also scheme, too. You know, that is McCarthy – a top schemer? No. You know, is he – and really in both these cases, I would think both those guys wouldn't be on the unemployment line long, but it might be time for – it's time to shake things up around here and get a new face. Because, I mean, some of the Steelers' trends are really disturbing. The losing on the road, the bad teams. Um, they've won one playoff game, I think, since 2010, you know, with, with Roethlisberger, you know. so and, and there's been complaints around here lately that – you know, even from Big Ben, who's not exactly known as the hardest, knows the grindstone, Peyton Manning type guy, that you know, the, the too much lackadaisical effort is being shown by the whole team, and to me, that reflects on coaching. Yeah, you know, I'm with you. I'd probably lean more on McCarthy because, you know, I mean, again, they just seem to have gotten a little stale, and I know these two places are so fat. It'd be so fascinating that these if these two teams would make a change because these are very collegiate-like programs where the stability and loyalty and family are, are so you know it's not like today's NFL of these places. These two places are, are different, and they don't make changes. And if you don't believe it, just look at the look at the history of the coaches. You know, four four coaches in 25 years for the Packers, three in almost 50 years for the Steelers. That just doesn't happen. In today's you know, I'm 43 NFL. years old, and I've seen three head coaches here. Yes, <laughs> and it, it, it's unreal. It's it's not that wouldn't happen anywhere else. So they're not going to make these changes lightly, and they're not going to have a quick trigger. Um, but Green Bay, there seemed to be a little, and I, and I think it's more than just the coach. I think it might be Ted Thompson's maybe setting his ways, and I think there's some people there that might would like to get Elliot Wolf more involved, and he's the son of Hall of Famer Ron Wolf, who, who was the general manager there years ago. So maybe they would do, do something there first. So, But, you know, you don't want to waste Rodgers' prime years either because he still probably has three or four or five prime, prime years. So they have to – this is a tough time for Green Bay. And then similarly with, with Pittsburgh, you don't want to waste Ben's prime years either. He probably has even less because he's just a little older than Rodgers. But I would give Tomlin one more year. This has been a banged-up year. Year, It's kind of screwy. I would let them see what happens next year and then evaluate Tomlin. Yeah, and, and same as the case in both these teams. You know, you got to be careful what you wish for, too. You know, you bring in right. a totally new guy and you kind of start from scratch with a new scheme or, you know, I mean, a whole new change of scenery. 
you may end up with a six and ten year, you know, and all of a sudden Ben's on his way out, and you're looking at it going, man, we we, we wasted that time, or boy, you know, we we could have got more out of our time with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe we just need to make some small changes as opposed to wholesale changes. You know, I mean, te- there's a lot of teams out there that would kill for the last five years of Pittsburgh and Green Bay's production on the field. And my yeah, maybe defensive coordinators is, in both places. Maybe that's the answer. Yeah, I mean, I could see Haley getting bump, or you know, I couldn't see Capers getting a bump. Um, but my question to you is: if one of these teams are to catch fire, and we're talking six weeks from now as maybe they can win the whole thing, which one would you pick? I go Steelers because I think they have um, more ability. I think that they have a chance to get healthy. And I think there's reasons, there's fixable reasons for the Steelers' problems. Uh, the Packers just seem lost, especially on defense. So I would go Pittsburgh. I would too. I mean, it still wouldn't surprise me, and I sound like such a homer that they end the season very, very strong against a not-so-great schedule and are putting up 35 points against everyone they play. That wouldn't blow me away. Oh, I expect the Steelers to win that division. The, 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 the Ravens don't do anything for me, and they have a tough schedule. The, the Bengals can't stay out of their own way. I, again, the Steelers are the team there that has some things going. There's some possibilities of getting better, and you said that the schedule's not bad. I, I don't see the Packers suddenly getting it. I, I think Detroit wins that division right now. That's a terrible division, too, that nobody seems to yeah. talk about. I mean, the Vikings are bad. The Bears are done. I think the Lions are the best team in the division, too, and they're highly flawed. It's very like, very much like the uh, AFC South. Agreed. Let's talk about a couple of quarterback decisions. Uh, kind of deep into the show to talk about quarterback decisions, but it's been kind of a, a fun week in the NFL. Uh, Jared Goff, it's time, right? I mean, even if it's not time, it's time, right? I mean, come on, kid. you got to get in there, and, and you got to show – and they have to have some faith in them. And, you know, nine weeks into the season, games-wise, it's time, isn't it? Absolutely. And they announced about an hour ago that he is going to start. And right. So I'm excited to see it. I mean, for the first time in a while, I'm actually excited to say, let's see what the Rams do next week. You know, I mean, maybe this kid's good. I mean, he was the first pick in the draft, and it feels like many people are just writing off because of, hard knocks or a bad preseason that he's already a bust. I mean, he hasn't even seen the field yet. And you do worry behind that line and those circumstances. Could you scar him for life and, you know, have him see ghosts the rest of his career? I guess it's possible. But unless he's totally inept and can't figure things out on the board and at the line of scrimmage, I think you have to go with him right now. And probably I mean, better scar than Dusty, right? I mean, you got to use him. Right. I mean, at least get half a year of tape on the guy to see, you know, to, to evaluate him for next year. Yeah, and, you know, again, I don't expect it to be pretty. I, I know there's probably reasons why we waited this long, but, again, they, they just need to throw him out there. But I, I expect it to be bumpy for him. But, uh, you, like you said, you got to get some film on him. Right. And he might surprise. I mean, I think I don't think any of us are entering this process with – super high expectations that he's going to change the season around for them or anything, but I'm hoping he looks like a competent NFL quarterback for, you know, you know, more than 50% of his games. Right. Now, now in Dallas and another rookie, uh, Jerry Jones has finally said 
that he's going to be the guy. He said the hot hand, you know, we're going to use him. And then today on a radio show, he said, you know, he's not going to look behind, behind his shoulder. And I thought that was huge because I wrote a column yesterday saying, if that's great. I think he should be the quarterback. But they got to go to the next step and say, he's definitely, it's not just a hot hand. It, it's his team. It's going to be his team in the playoffs. It's going to be his team next year and forever. Tony, thank you. Be ready if Dak gets hurt. Tough break for you. We love you. You're, but you're 36. You've missed most of the season the last two games. We're going to trade you next year to a, the best spot we can for you. But just be ready. And then, but this is Dak's team. And I mean, your thoughts on that? Yeah, and we've had this conversation probably three or four times every couple of weeks, right. and you know, and, and every one of us has talked about it on every media outlet we're ever on. And majority of the time, I've been sort of uh, uh, the Romo camp, you know, Team Romo. Right. And it's gotten to the point now that I can't fight that fight anymore, you know. I mean, I thought Prescott was really impressive in Pittsburgh. Um, Clearly, they're a very hot team right now, an elite team. I mean, I think there's three elite teams in the league right now, and they're one of them. Uh, I just don't think he changed things, you know, that – he had a sort of a down game, what was it, two weeks ago against the Eagles, and that worried me a little. But then he came back and crushed the Browns, played great against the Steelers. They're really humming. I think you just can't make that change. I think this is the easy decision at this point. And I'm shocked I got to this. I mean, I'm shocked I got to that point to say that. Yeah, and it's pretty – and it sucks for Romo. He, he doesn't deserve yeah. it. But, I mean, what, and he probably deep down understands, you oh, know, yeah, but – yeah, and, and you know what? He's going to be uh, he's going to be a, a top story of of the off season, and, and they could get something really good for him too. Maybe, Maybe not a whole lot of really good, but you know, a, a first round pick. I, I don't know about that with his injury history and age and his dollars but, he's making. Yeah. From what I but what about a team like Arizona who says, okay, we're really worried about we're really worried about Carson. There's no other answers. Let's just give a first-round pick for Tony and maybe get two years out of him, and he's better than Carson. I mean, is that possible? The team that came to mind for me was Jacksonville. Was, Blake, you get on the bench, learn from a professional. We have a lot around, you know, we want to get the most out of all this talent that we keep acquiring. Tony's going to be the guy for a year or two, and hopefully you get a clue in that time and refine your skills because you're awful and we can't win with you now. Or... The Jets, where he does, you know, he's there for a year until Petty or Hackenberg takes over, and you move on from. I think the Jets are the most likely. Yeah, I could see that. You know, because it's AFC, they probably think that we got enough talent. We get a guy like that. We, you know, it's worth a trade. Maybe Chicago. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah, but I don't think Cleveland and San Francisco. That that would be counterproductive. They just got to go young and suck it up. Those two teams. And he'd get hurt. <laughs> I mean, he'd probably get right. hurt anywhere. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you do that to him, nor is that the right call if you're those type of teams. Um, right. I mean, maybe if Goff is awful, you put Romo in there for a year and let Goff learn from him. I mean, I don't, I'm just kind of spitballing off the top of my you head. You know where's yeah. another one that could maybe be? Denver. Denver would be pretty darn good with Tony Romo. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, L.A., L-A we know L.A. ain't scared. Right. That's a Elway Manning you know, type of move. You say, okay, I wonder if you, you gave know, Jason Witten truth serum and said, who do you want to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys for the rest of the year, who would say? 
I mean, he's like best friends with Romo, and I bet he says Dak. Yeah, at this, at this point, like you, like, like you did, you know, at yeah. some point, you can't, it, it's, a, it's not a fight worth, you know, fighting. You can't fight the fight anymore. Yeah. I was looking at some stats, and it looks to me that we've have, we have better running backs, or at least better running back seasons than we've had in recent years. You buy that? Yeah, a little bit, and a lot of that's because I've done a lot of fantasy over the last handful of years with ESPN and now outside of ESPN that the last couple years, especially last year, the position got hit so hard by injuries that, uh, you know, we lost Adrian Peterson, and of course there's running back injuries, and it's always going to be a, a spot that gets injured a lot. But I don't think the injuries have been nearly as bad this year. So some of the guys that people were counting on to be stars, Elliott and Freeman and Bell, and you know they've they've lived up to it. You know they haven't gotten they haven't blown out their knee and been sitting on the bench all the time. Yeah, but I think there's like seven guys that were thousand yard rushers, and going into last week there was like ten or eleven that are on pace for a thousand yards, and, and that seems to be more like it than in recent years. I think that's true. And, and Gurley's really the only guy off the top of my head that is surprisingly deficient in production. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Hey, um, what do you think about the Giants? They're 6-3, and, three and, and, and they're winning. I mean, kind of sneaking up on us? Maybe. And what I thought was really encouraging from last night was on defense, two things. Two things I thought were really encouraging last night. And I still think they're a very flawed team. I mean, I, I, there's things I don't trust at all. But they actually showed a running game for the first time all year. And a lot of it was in the second half. They weren't a dominant run team, but they weren't the worst run team in the league for once. I mean, you know, they were an average team running the ball against an okay defense, you know. So I thought that was highly encouraging. And all the money they spent on defense, along with first-round pick Eli Apple, I thought all those guys played really well, too. You know, Olivier Vernon, Jason Pierre-Paul, Janoris Jenkins, Apple. So those past defenders lived up to their money last night. So I think that's huge. And Odell's been dominant. Um, but I don't really trust their offensive line. There was a, a portion in the first half where I was watching going, man, I feel bad for Eli. It feels like it's Odell, Shepard to some degree, and nobody else. You know, And they play 95% with three receivers. And they, I mean, I still think they're – I give them credit. They're hot. They're winning games. But I don't know that they're a top-10 team. Well, this year they may be, though. They may be a top-6 or 7 team. Maybe, but boy, I still don't trust them. Yeah, yeah. You know what? We've talked about this a bunch, and we're going to talk a bunch more. And I think it is going to be an entertaining playoffs. But I think it's not going to be really quality teams until we get to the final four. Probably. You know, like you'd love to see Kansas City or Oakland versus the Patriots, and definitely Cowboys Seahawks. You know, I mean, I'm sure there'll be other good games, but. I don't want to see Houston get their doors blown off in Kansas City or, you know what I mean? Like, there could be some bad right. first-round games or the Lions. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, yeah, I, I, there might – the second round, the divisional round may be a little bit more entertaining. Than, there might be a couple of stinkers in the wild-card round. Agreed. You know, just yeah. because 
two division winners are probably going to be bad unless right. Green Bay really catches fire or we totally believe in Tennessee and they surpass the, the Texans. Right. But I can't see, right. you know, the Lions or Texans doing anything in the playoffs. Right. Um, wrapping it up shortly, thanks for everybody listening to No Relation NFL Podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. We talked about Mariota a little bit earlier in the show. Let's talk about the guy taken ahead of him last year. Jameis Winston is kind of turning it up too, isn't he? Yeah, I'm a big fan of both. I thought he played a great game this past week. Um, Mike Evans is a total star. There was a stretch there where they just didn't have anything around Winston. And I think that not to compare him to Jay Cutler or Favre, but I think he's always going to be a guy that throws picks, you know, that he's never going to be bashful. And I think that'll mm-hmm. be a great strength and sometimes a weakness and sometimes a maddening, you know, aspect of him. I mean, this guy was a closer, in a, a pitching closer. I mean, he has a short, uh, short memory. He wants the ball in key situations, and, and he's not going to be afraid to throw the fastball down the pipe. You know what I mean? And sometimes he's going to pay for it, and they're going to hit one out of the park. But – I think he's a big-time star in the making. I'd love to see Doug Martin back and being himself because they really do need a running game in the way that that offense is structured. And I think they need another offseason to find a compliment to Evans, you know, another offensive lineman. But almost to the degree of Mariota, I'm a believer. You know, I, I thought maybe four or five years ago we were at a real golden, golden era for quarterbacks. And then some of the younger, younger guys who we were counting on Kind of took a dive, like Griffin and, now, and Kaepernick. Yeah, that crew. You mean? Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And but we we but we're okay at quarterback. But then guys like Winston, Mariota, Carr, these guys are all you know twenty five or younger. So we're still in good shape. It's a great bridge because when you know the the big bands and 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 Rogers are thirty eight, these guys are going to be twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty. We're in pretty good shape, aren't we? Yeah, I think. And Wentz and Prescott's development certainly aided yes. that quite a bit. Absolutely. Uh, Bortles, I mean, I used to put Bortles in that crew, though, too. You know, that I thought that Carr, Bortles, Winston, Mariota were all really encouraging. And I said it over and over in the off season. Well, he can't be in there anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just doesn't. What happened that. to him? He's, his mechanics are dreadful. It looks like he didn't practice once over the offseason. And I don't know what happened, but his, his motion is horrible. He's never been a great decision-maker. And, I mean, if you remember, they drafted him and said, hey, we're going to redshirt this guy because he's not ready. Well, they didn't. They threw him right in. And his numbers were always better than his play. Like, if you watch him first halves in the road he never did anything i mean he's the fantasy garbage time king of the world in terms of stats mm-hmm. so even last year with his good numbers he was not an upper tier quarterback but his mechanics were much better and he made better throws i mean he misses open guys all the time and has this big long release um it's bad i mean he needs to be they need to hire a true quarterback whisperer and in today's rules, you don't get enough time to, even in the off season, to work on these things with these players. It's such a problem to me, the practice time, that they need to almost break him down and start him from scratch. That's why I'd love to see, you know, Romo or, I mean, Cutler's probably not the best role model, but somebody like that to be the starter next year. And, Blake, it's time for you to take a step back and learn because you're horrible. And, man, that, but that, what, a, what a soul crusher that is for a franchise. Oh. 
fourth year of the guy who's the number three overall pick. You know, the time promise. where he's supposed to – what's that? And showed promise. Yeah. I don't know. Is it a quick fix in Jacksonville? I mean, they interest me because of uh, – because they have talent, and they always got these really, you know, kind of they, – they should have been a lot better on defense. I mean, is this a quick turnaround, or are these guys just, you know, names to not games? Quarterback aside, I think it's a quick turnaround. If you've got yeah. the right coach in there, I think he could change the, the – you know, I mean, I was part of that with the Browns. I mean, there's definitely truth, and you saw it with the Raiders firsthand. I mean, there's definitely truth to – changing the way an organization thinks. I mean, believing that they can win in this league. And that's very difficult. You know, that's very difficult because they're so used to losing. Nobody in that building's had success, you know, I mean, in a Jaguars uniform. Uh, that That's really different, difficult to change the culture, so to speak. But in terms of players, I think they're fine. I mean, I think they're middle of the road to maybe even above average in terms of talent. They have to resurrect Bortles. Or, you know, but you can't discount on that. I mean, like I said, I think they have to be a player for a veteran or even consider using a, an early pick on a quarterback. You can't just go into next year and say, well, we got Bortles and Henny, we'll be fine. Well, I mean, now, again, usually that would be a killer to, to use an early pick on a quarterback, again, three years after you took a guy number three. But if their roster around them is, is good, maybe – Maybe that's the rare time, rare franchise that could pull it off. Right, especially if you don't have glaring needs elsewhere. You would think they'll have another strong free agency class. You know, they don't have a lot of money still tied up. They should be buyers again. So if they get to the draft, although from what I understand that this is a awful draft class for quarterbacks. You know, it's a bad year to need a quarterback from what I gather. Yeah, I mean, there's dudes that you've hardly heard of two months right. ago getting first-round pick talk. That's scary. Yeah. That's a bad and we've guy. seen that before, and they rarely work out. Right. But um, people in the know that are much closer to it than I do say, boy, it's, there might not be a first-run caliber quarterback. Right. That's exactly what I'm hearing. Do you think um, if they were to do that, somebody would give a decent draft pick for Bortles, right? Some some GM that's desperate and had a high grade on him because, you know, they, guys still love their high grades. I mean, Mike Shanahan in Denver – was famous, and Bill Belichick to some degree as well, taking up these old first-round busts and thinking, hey, I can fix them. I mean, they, Shanahan did it routinely. Belichick somebody would pick right? up on – somebody would pick Bortles, right? Yes. He's not super expensive. I don't know if you move away from him if you're Jacksonville, though, as opposed to bringing in somebody else. But, I mean, I'm not sure John Fox is the right guy, but imagine sending him to Chicago and he sits behind Hoyer and learns, you know, and you put time into him. Or Cleveland, maybe? behind Carson Palmer next year, you know, in Arizona. Yeah, that wouldn't be a bad, that wouldn't be a bad a place one, yeah. either. That's a good one. Yeah, nice call there. Let's wrap up the show. What's that? Really, I don't think he's as far down the toilet as RG3 was before the season. So he's salvageable. I mean, it'd take a lot, but I mean, I, I would put more. I would give up a pick for him. Where there's no, I wouldn't even have given up a pick to the Redskins for Griffin. Right, right. Um, speaking like of RG3's current team, Q 
Hugh Jackson, if they go 0 and 16, and it's, it's possible, you stick with them, right? I mean, this is not a Rod Marinelli thing where you just say we're 0 and 16. We got to get rid of the stink. We know we Rod. We know it's not your fault, but we can't have this around another year. We we have to show like we're trying to get better. I think that's a different story in Cleveland this year. You you stick with you, don't you? Even if you go winless. Well, I don't trust ownership to execute that, but I do think it would be a massive crime to fire him no matter what. You know that you went into this season with intentions of losing, basically. You know, <laughs> all of our free agents that are worth anything, we're gonna let them go. You know, we're just we're gonna spend. All of our, you know, we're not even bringing in free agents. Everything's going to be youth. We're going to bring in 14 draft picks and another 14 or 15 next year and another 14 or 15 next year. And we're going to lose and we're going to pick at the top of the draft. And that's basically our plan. I mean, I don't think anybody in charge thought that they had a chance to go 500. I mean, or win six games, you know. So as this is a lesser than expected result, obviously. I mean, no one expects to go zero and 16. But I said it all off season that, I think the Browns might go zero and sixteen. I probably said that a hundred times on different airways, and their roster's just that bad. And, and then you go through the quarterback injuries they've had to deal with. That they've played hard. It's not like they're getting steamrolled fifty to nothing by average teams by the by the Ravens. Right. They they they, they are they're they're trying, and it looks like. And you know, I was with Hugh in Oakland. He's got a lot of good things about him. He has some pluses about him. So I don't think he was hired, like you said, for this year. He was hired for the long term. Yes. And, yeah. you know, and Kessler's been slightly impressive. You know, that uh, not much saying he's the answer, but he could, if everything aligns in the world properly, he could turn into Andy Dalton. But probably be Mike Glennon, right? Yeah, but Glennon's much more gifted you know Kessler you know I mean he's Kessler doesn't throw the ball well I mean to me he's a lifetime backup he's you know 80 percent of Chad Pennington Glennon's probably a guy that could play a few places at this point in the season couldn't he he's a shocking one to me too like there was a couple dudes that I thought in the offseason might get dealt you know that just a good quarterback came above them and I would think somebody would give something up for Glennon but it's been so you know, his rookie year, I thought he played well, and he has tools. So I guess I, I assume the Bucks are just, you know, asking too much for him because I would think there's been talks there. And if and when he does hit free agency, I would take a shot on him. Again, I mean, throw him in Arizona. Yeah. Again, it, it all goes back to Arizona. Let, let's wrap up the show with this last one. Arizona, even in a win over the 49ers, they just seem off, don't they, the Cardinals? It just, oh. It's just not going to happen this year, is it? No, I don't think so. You know, and there's been a lot of injuries. Palmer's clearly not the same player as he was a year ago. They seem to lack identity. I mean, all their receivers play. I mean, Fitzgerald's really the only one they count on, and it's kind of a revolving door. David Johnson's really the only constant on the offense. And the defense is really good, but I'm with you. It's it's not their year. I mean, they barely got past the Niners, and I think the Niners are clearly worse than the Browns right now. Yeah. Um but they got one win. Oh, that, that, I'm going to the 49er Patriot game. That ought to be a hoot, huh? Yeah, that Brady sits out the whole fourth quarter. <laughs> exactly. Um, do you think Arian is, is this on Arians, or is this this kind of is is the rose coming up, the bloom coming off the rose a little bit with Bruce Arians? 
Maybe. Um, I tend to think not, though. I mean, I think his last five years or so of body of work is really impressive as a coach. I also think that the Cardinals might have missed their shot last year, that that was probably the, the ceiling, the best that Palmer's ever played in his career. And Arians probably had something to do with that, too. And I think Palmer came back to being Palmer as opposed to keeping you know the elite-level play that he had. Um, I don't know. I mean, still, it's a highly disappointing season for them. You know, I mean, many of us, I'm sure you thought the same, thought they were absolutely a Super Bowl contender, and they have a very good roster. I, I thought it was them and the Seahawks. I thought that, you know, those yeah. possibly one and two go in the entire league in the same division. Like, I was less surprised that Carolina came to earth than Arizona. Yeah, it was kind of, uh, that last year was kind of a, uh, it all came together. They probably they weren't fifteen and one good last year. No, too good to be true. But they're not three and six bad this year either. I don't think. True, very true. Yeah. So, anyways, Matt, great show. Appreciate your time, everybody. Thanks for listening to the No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, we'll talk next Tuesday. Getting ready for Thanksgiving games. I like it. All right, man. Take care.